Good to be with you all this morning. Open your Bible to Matthew 27 if you're not there already. I was encouraged this morning by Jim's word that our Lord is here this morning to minister in such a way as to break chains. And may he do that through his word as we look to his word together. So am I the only one who loses things? Now listen, here's the good news. I, first of all, I don't lose them. Just can't find them right then. And the other thing is I don't do it all the time. I only do it when it really matters. That's the only time that I actually lose things. You know, like I don't, I don't lose my car keys just anytime. I only lose them when I'm already running late to get the kids to school. That's when I tend to not be able to find the car keys. I'm sure I'm not the only one that experiences this kind of thing. Am I the only one who loses track of Jesus at times? Wake up and just fail to think about him? Fail to look for him? Maybe look for him and seemingly fail to find him the sense of where is he in life and why can't I seem to grasp hold of him today? Friend, God's word is here for us this morning, full of promises. And it is here to get our eyes up off of ourselves and our feelings and our experiences and set them firmly on our real, the reality of who the Lord actually is. This morning, we get to look together at the resurrection of Jesus. You didn't know it was Easter, did you? The pumpkin should have told you that it would, wait, no, that's not how that, whatever. <laughs> Why do we do eggs for Easter? We could do pumpkins. We're doing pumpkins for Easter this year, all right? So we're going to look together at the resurrection, but before that, we're going to walk with Matthew through the burial of Christ. If you were with us last week, we finished up with the end of Christ's life on the cross, and we're going to pick up there in verse 55 of Matthew 27, as Matthew zooms back off the cross and we're able to see this group of ladies gathered around having just witnessed the crucifixion. So follow along with me in your Bibles as we pick up in Matthew 27, verse 55. There were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee ministering to him among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day. 
lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people, he is risen from the dead. The last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. So we begin this morning with the scene around the cross and this small group of women who have gathered to witness the crucifixion. We don't know who all the ladies are. They say that there's a group, but we are given two names, and they are both named Mary. Mary from the region of Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. The guys had all fled. All the disciples at this point were gone, and yet here were these ladies. And they had, it says, followed him from Galilee. Galilee was a ways away. Galilee was the northern frontier of Judea. So they had been following him for many, many miles, many, many days, perhaps many years, ministering to him. These are devoted disciples. Well, it says, when it was evening, a new disciple enters the picture, someone who's been following Jesus, this a rich man named Joseph, and he desires to honor Christ. And so he goes and gets permission to take Christ off the cross and wraps him in a shroud and places him in this tomb. Now, this is very different than what normally happened to bodies after crucifixion, all right? The the indignities didn't end at death, typically. So they were thrown in some kind of common grave or even left along the side of the road for the animals to eat. And yet here, we have this one honoring Christ, wrapping him and placing him not just in a tomb, but in a brand new rock-hewn family tomb. This was an expensive kind of thing and quite an honor. And Joseph would have needed to hurry to get this done. He had between about three o'clock, whatever the time was when Christ died, and sunset. Because he couldn't work past sunset because it would have been the Passover. And so he, and probably some servants of his, goes and gets the body of Christ and gets him in the tomb. And what we see is that the same ladies who had stood by and watched the crucifixion are now standing guard and watching over Christ as he's laid into the tomb. How must their hearts have been breaking at the end of this day of days? Well, the next day, that is Saturday, or as the Jews knew it to be, the Sabbath, or even more importantly, that Sabbath day was the Passover day celebration. So you can imagine what the religious leaders were doing on this great Passover. Whatever you would imagine, that is not what they were doing. They were not leading the religious festival. They were plotting about Jesus still. They wanted to make sure that the disciples didn't pull a fast one on everybody and claim that Jesus had risen from the dead. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to set this guard so that the disciples can't come steal the body and then make up these claims they call Jesus an imposter here. And so they're going to make sure that there's no false claims about a resurrection. How are they going to do that? They're going to have the body. And that ought to work. That ought to silence everybody when they can produce the body 
of Jesus. And so with that, Matthew 27, that terrible chapter comes to an end. Matthew 27, Jesus was delivered to Pilate, and he was tried before the people, and he was mocked by the soldiers, and he was nailed to a cross, and he was forsaken by God, and he was killed upon that cross, and he was buried in the ground, and that chapter is over. Praise God. That chapter is over, and now, in every way, a new chapter is about to begin. What a chapter this is going to be. So let's pick up and read the first 10 verses of that together. Matthew 28, follow along with me. We're going to read the first 10 verses. Now, after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. They came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. What a morning. I love that time of the morning right before the sun comes up, when it's still dark in the west, but it's starting to get light in the east, and it's, it's quiet, and it's still, and the kids probably aren't up yet, right? And yet, just with the, with the sun right below the horizon and the light getting brighter and brighter, it's, there's like an anticipation, like, like nature itself is anticipating the new day. Like, come on, sun, get up. We've got stuff to do. It's a time of hope, and expectation. Well, here we are at that time of day, towards the dawn, it says, of the first day of the week, which was Sunday. And Mary and Mary are making their way to the tomb. They probably started in the darkness, and it's probably now getting to be early light. It's quiet, it's peaceful but there's no hope. There's no expectation. There's no expectancy. There's no being thrilled by the sunrise because they're not coming to celebrate a sunrise. They're coming to mourn in a cemetery. That's why they're walking. Oh, how these women loved Jesus. Track their movements here through the crucifixion. They didn't leave but stood and watched, 
silently mourning at the cross. They accompanied him all the way to the grave. And now, having finished their Sabbath observance, they are the first ones back to visit the grave of the Lord. And so they arrive to the silent tomb to not find silence. They find an earthquake. The earth begins to shake, and this is the second earthquake that we've seen. There was the earthquake that occurred when Christ yielded up his spirit on the cross, and now, yet again, there is another earthquake. And yet, I wonder if perhaps the ladies didn't even notice the earthquake because of the angel. Normally, I think you would notice the earthquake, but then again, you know, when there's an angel that comes, that would seem to change things. And and let our imagination about angels be informed by God's word and not little, you know, cartoons and cards. This was a divine warrior, a heavenly messenger, an angel of the Lord God Most High, powerful and intimidating. He was brilliant and blazing. He was bright as lightning and white as snow. And he rolls away the stone and he sits on it. And here's those Roman guards, tough guys that they are. Disciplined soldiers, gritty and hard, passing out when they see this particular. Had the soldiers ever trembled in fear? What did a Roman soldier need tremble of at this time? Rome hadn't been defeated for a long time. To be a Roman soldier was to be a winner, to not, not to be scared in uniform. And here they tremble to the point of just boop, over they go. One after the other after the other. And apparently the ladies are giving that some serious thought. <laughs> you know what? That seems like a good idea. I'm going to do that too. The angel stops them. Don't be afraid. It's okay. Maybe chill out. It's all right. I'm not here to hurt you here to help you. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. You seek Jesus. So I'm here for you. You seek Jesus. They, they, they sought to keep Jesus in the ground. They sought to keep the tombs shut. They sought to keep the disciples away from Jesus. You're seeking Jesus. You see how the soldier doesn't even have a word for the, uh, the angel doesn't even have a word for these soldiers from Rome, but he honors these women from Galilee. There is, there is a principle here for us, friends. What is heaven paying attention to? Heaven notices the one who is seeking Jesus. Notices, pays attention. The angel then continues in verse 6. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Now, some people will tell you that this verse talks about the resurrection of Jesus. It, it relates the resurrection. I'm telling you that that is, in fact, not the case. The women did not arrive to witness the resurrection of Jesus because the resurrection had apparently already happened. They are late. Jesus is already up and gone. I'm sorry you missed him. 
He was just here. You missed him. You're a little late. But you can come and see the place where he lay. So wait, why is the angel here to start with? I, you, might have, you might have thought, I, this is what I've thought for a long time. I thought the angel came to sort of help Jesus get up. You know, take care of the guards, roll away the stone, maybe give him a, a helping hand to get out of the grave. Turns out by the time the angel gets there, Jesus was already gone. He had already been raised. Looks like he didn't need the help after all. There he was, alone in the tomb. Alone, guarded by soldiers outside. Alone, imprisoned in a carved rock tomb. Alone, embraced by death itself. No problem. He's got this. And up from the grave, he rises all by himself. We talked earlier about Jesus being a chain breaker and being here for you this morning to break chains. Friends, this is what a chain breaker does. This is the, this is the ultimate um, bad situation to be in. And, and up he comes all by the power of his own divinity rising from the grave. He is one that we can put our hope and our trust in. So wait, why again, why is the angel here? There's something here for us in this. Because the angel is not here for the Son of God. The angel's here for those daughters of Galilee. That's why the angel is here. From heaven to earth. Deployed from the throne descending like lightning, defeating the Roman soldiers. Why? Because there were a few women who were seeking Jesus, and heaven noticed. And heaven sent the angel for them. Hebrews 11.6 says that God rewards those who seek him. And here, heaven was watching those women as they stood and watched the cross, and as they stood and watched the burial, and as they got up early to come and visit the tomb, God was watching, God was looking. And as they sought Jesus, heaven came seeking them as well. So the angel speaks to them, and he also has a message for them, a message to deliver. Now, before we look at the content of the message, let's consider, make sure we understand how this works, when angels give messages. Angels give messages. Angels don't write messages. Angels are the postal service of heaven. They deliver the mail. They don't write the mail. They don't change the mail. They don't alter the mail. So when, the, when an angel brings a message, they are bringing a message from the throne. This is word from God to them. So why is the angel here? Because God wanted to speak to these ladies. And so he deployed his angel with this word. Well, what is this? What is this word? Verse 7, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Behold, he's gone before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Go 
and tell the disciples what you've seen. At this point, right, the disciples have scattered. They, they were afraid during the, the trial and during the crucifixion. They have probably regathered, maybe all together at this point, in a kind of hidden place where they're out of view of the very dangerous authorities. Jesus knows this. The Father knows this, sends this angel to say, go quickly and let them know what has happened. Go, go bear the good news of the resurrection to these men. Go, go tell the good news. Go be evangelists and talk about the risen Christ. Did you know that the first evangelists in the history of the church are these dear ladies right here? First evangelists ever commissioned. They will be the ones who will tell the disciples. Now, by the end of the chapter, Christ himself is going to meet with all of his disciples and give us the Great Commission, where every disciple, man and woman, will be sent out into the world to bear the same news that Christ is risen. But for now, the angel says, ladies, go and tell them of the resurrection. And then he ends with this phrase where he says, see, I have told you. That is a funny little sort of awkward phrase. There, I have said it. I am done talking now. As though, you know, angels are slightly awkward. They don't really know how to communicate with humans, you know. So not sure how to end it. So he just says, see, I'm done talking. That's not what's happening. Right, this, is, this is the angel humbly pointing to something because he could have said, thus saith the Lord to them. And that is what he's saying, but in a more humble way because he knows he's not the Lord and would not want to give that impression. So he simply says, see, I have told you what was told to me to tell to you. Now you have it. Now the word from on high rests on your shoulders. You are commissioned to go and do this. Go and do this. And so they do. They depart quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. That is an interesting mixture of emotions. Fear and great joy at the same time. Off they run, running to tell the disciples as well they should having just been commissioned from God to go and do this. Which is what makes the next verses so unexpected. They are leaving the scene, running as fast as they can to tell the disciples what God had told them to say, and they are stopped in the middle of the mission. They are interrupted on their journey. Now, who, who could interrupt such a mission as this, such an important job, such a, a divine mandate, I would argue that only one has the right to interrupt the mission that they're on, and it happens to be the one whom they run into. And Jesus says to them, greetings. The commentators went out of their way to try to express for those of us that uh, read our Bibles in English just how common a word he used. Greetings sounds a little too much. It's just hi. And it might be sup. Very casual 
greetings. Um, Jesus is surprisingly casual, having just been dead, and now he's not. But apparently he was not surprised by his own resurrection. And instead, he was glad to see his friend and just says hi. Can you imagine? Can you imagine encountering Jesus and him saying, hi, and like knowing your name, Christian, you should imagine that for a moment because that day is coming for you. The Lord knows those who are his. And one day we will see him face to face. And I don't know what his first word will be, but it will be something along the lines of, hi, it's good to see you again. Well, as casual as Jesus is, and as unsurprised as Jesus is, the women are not quite able to respond along the same tone, nor should they respond in the same way. They are surprised to see him, and more importantly, they just fall down to worship him, because here is the risen Lord. Here is God in the flesh. This is no, like, Jesus says hi, and so they give little fist bumps. He's casual. They're worshipful, and they fall down at at his feet, and they worship him, and I love it. They fall down at his feet. They take hold of his feet, and I'll just say, for true feet he has, flesh and blood, and standing on the earth alive as a man. And they worship. They wor- Do you understand? In the Bible, only one gets worshipped, and it's not men. And here they grab the feet of a man, and they worship God in the flesh. Can you imagine the coincidence of this meeting? Jesus just rose from the dead. Now, let's say that you were Jesus' executive assistant and you, you were going to you know, keep track of his, what does he need to get done today? Okay, you rose from the dead. Good, check. Now there's a few things we need to take care of. First of all, you need to get Saturn back in its orbit because it was wobbling a little bit there. He's the risen king all authority in heaven and on earth. He could could go see Caesar. He could go deal with the the folks in Jerusalem. He could teleport over to see his disciples. The number of options are many. He has a big to-do list. What is his first priority? What is the first thing that he does? What is the first thing on his heart? Why is Jesus here? He is here to meet them. That's why he's here. They came seeking Jesus, and Jesus came seeking them. Glory to God. What kind of a Lord is this? Our Lord would seek those women who were seeking after him because God rewards those who seek him. Take heart, dear Christian. Do you seek the Lord? Would you seek to know him more? Would you seek to 
draw in and draw near to his presence? Would you, would you seek to, to love him more? God rewards those who seek him. Here's how it works in God's economy. God seeks those who seek him every time. He rewards those who diligently seek him. He runs after those who run after him. He honors those who honor him. And would you dwell with him? Then he would dwell with you as well. Dear saint, pursue your Lord. Do you need chains broken from this Lord? Then seek him, dear one. Seek him in faith. I'm not talking about earning your salvation. I'm not talking about earning your relationship. I'm talking about an earnestness of life that says, I want more of Jesus. I need him to be at work in my life. I depend on him. I'm too sinful, and I want to change. Jesus, would you help me? Friend, our Lord is a rewarder of those who seek him. God sent an angel from the throne to help them because heaven listens to the voice that cries out for the Lord. So Christian, do not tire of seeking him. Do not get weary in your private devotions, your early mornings, Bible on lap, coffee in hand. Don't stop calling out in prayer, though you've called out for years. Call out to him yet again. Perhaps like the ladies, perhaps it's early in the morning before the family is awake. Sun about to rise, but you're up already to seek the Lord. Do it, do it, do it, and don't grow weary because he rewards those who seek him. Now, I want to I want to form your expectations. We're, we're not always going to feel his nearness. There's going to be day, there's going to be those days, right? It feels like he's very far, where things feel dry and we are discouraged. Let us not measure our Lord by our feelings. But let us seek the one who the moment he was raised began to seek his people. You know, what's a bit surprising about the book of Matthew is how little Matthew focuses on the theology of the resurrection. He has very little to say about it, and there's a lot to be said about it. It could drive a preacher nuts. You come in and think, okay, we're going to talk all of this stuff, but that's not what Matthew talks about. He doesn't, he doesn't go there. He doesn't fat talk about the fact that because Jesus rose, one day we will rise too. Because he rose, we have new birth. Because he rose, we are justified. Because he rose, we're being sanctified. Because he rose, we can persevere until that last day. Because he rose, one day we will be glorified. Because he rose to life, we have eternal life. Friends, a lot happened that morning. And Matthew doesn't talk about most of it. He puts his focus in one place. Jesus rose so his people could find him. Jesus rose to reward those who seek him. Jesus rose to go find those who were seeking him. He has risen 
just as he said. And he has risen so that his people can find him. So, so friends, keep pursuing the Lord. Keep drawing after him. What are those chains that you need taken off? That are, that are dragging you down, that are, that are holding you back. Continue to go to him. In a few minutes, we're going to have our prayer time. You know how we end the time with prayer, right? Uh, prayer team up here, you can come down. Just encourage you. Don't come down here because I, I said so. Don't come down here just to pray with me. Come down here because you're seeking Jesus. And you know that he's the chain breaker. And you know that he rewards those who seek him. So teen, younger than teen, out here in the room, seek Jesus. Make this your life's work. Are you new to the faith? Or maybe you're not even in the faith that you know. Let me just seek Jesus. Look to Jesus. Have you walked with him with, for a long time? Then friend, don't grow weary until you see him face to face. Seek Jesus. Are you busy, mom? Hardly have time to do anything? Seek him in the betweens, but seek Jesus. Are you lonely? Are you discouraged? Are you depressed? Are you hurting? Are you stuck? Where are you? Seek Jesus. He rose that he could be found by his people. And this is good news for us. So let us seek him together.